Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, FightfulWrestling.com. It is The List and your boy, and we are hopefully live right now. Hard to tell. Not my job. I don't know. Why is your face and head enormous right now? BlueChew.com, code Fightful, Jimmy. I mean, you look like Giant Baba next to me on the other side of the screen, man. What's going on with that? Well, I mean, that's just... that's just Those are the breaks. Uh, we, are, we are live, actually, on, on a private link, which I was told was going to be the link that we didn't use. So I'm going to go ahead and make that public now. Yep. There you go. Make it public. That's, that's Nigel's bad, he says. But you know Nigel, what? Nigel, you're turning into Melissa, man. We're going to do the reasonable thing and blame Melissa. Uh. We're going to blame Melissa. So um, a, few, a few things to start here, buddy. Okay. So first, I want to introduce I don't know if, uh, if we're going to be able to hear him on the mic. I want to introduce Brady. He is our new video producer. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Brady. How are you? He is learning uh, on the job. Nigel's going to be with him here for like a month. God, God help him. <laughs> <laughs> learning learning from this show, huh? Yeah, he's, he's going to be learning on the job, but, uh, but uh, Brady's good at what he does. He's already done some stuff for me for Fightful, and it looks good. So he's going to be, uh, be our new video producer. Uh, so that's that. Uh, next thing I wanted to do is say, again, we have new hardware We have new souped up everything. Nigel has spent a bunch of time testing servers and cables and speeds and networks and everything. And we're told we're good now. They've done tests. They did like a test live stream and it worked. No glitches. So 
we're hoping for the best here, Sean. Yeah, that's the rumor. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll I am see. cautiously optimistic. The thing is, I know Nigel's good at his job because he educated me on Wirecast for like a month at right. one point and taught me how to actually use it. Uh, it is definitely not a Nigel problem, but uh, YouTube, man. YouTube's Suck a problem. No. The hardware was a problem, but that wasn't Nigel's fault. Somebody else picked out the hardware, but that's another story. Uh, Somebody else also gnawed through a wire or something or a port in there. You got like squirrels running around. Uh, It was our contractor. that Our contractor did it and denied it, Sean. Really? Yeah, and I have surveillance. Oh. And so I sent him surveillance footage of his electrician in there. And as soon as I did that, he goes, oh, shit. Oh, my God. How? Okay. Expand upon this. So uh, Nigel came to me and said, um, something happened. Uh, the room is a mess. The, the internet port is screwed up. Uh, there's a cable missing. He said, I don't know what the hell is going on. Now we're doing work two floors below this room. And so I suspected it was my contractor doing something. And so I hit him up and I said, man, what are you doing? You didn't tell me you were sending anybody. He said, no, 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 we don't have uh, anybody on site. I've got surveillance in every inch of this office. Yeah. And so I pulled surveillance video and I sent him a screenshot. Uh, and then immediately he said, shit, that's my electrician. And my so, uh, yeah, so I said, you're going to come here the next uh, tomorrow morning. First thing, you're going to fix that port. Uh, and he did. He well, did. they might want to fix it again. We, we are not live. But uh, Really? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? And it dropped. I hope that Mike is watching this because we got to figure. I I think a lot of it has to do with the time. I think that six o'clock. The internet really? is uh, there's a lot In, more usage of the internet. Yeah. Are you are you blaming it on that Toronto internet? I'm blaming it on six o'clock Eastern when a lot of people jump on the internet. Wow, that's what I'm. So it's it crappy Toronto internet. Yeah, crappy Toronto internet. Well, My God! You know what? Let's just get into it, and I guess we're gonna have to post this later. We really got to sort this shit out because I'm losing my shit on this. So we really got to sort this out. <laughs> so let's uh, let's try to jump into the news here, and I'll just have a couple beers on the air. And I'll be I love right. it. Here's the thing: I am absent of all blame. I know Nigel yes. is absent of all blame because it ain't his fault. Well. Uh, New guy Brady configurations part of the problem, I think. But definitely YouTube new is guy Brady's fault. There's yeah. only one ingredient in this recipe that is rightful to blame, and that's Melissa. Right, Melissa is so easy to blame. Uh huh. Damn. So apparently, I was the heel last week, Sean. <laughs> what the hell happened? So Sean Ross Sab <laughs> sends me a text message, right? Sean sends me a text message like Wednesday night or Thursday morning, whenever, and he goes, hey, Jimmy, everybody's shitting on you saying that you're mean to me. And I was like, what? They say I'm mean to you. Yeah. So I checked some of the live chat and and people were saying, oh, look at Jimmy bragging about money. And I feel so sorry for Sean because he treats Sean like a bag of shit. It's like, okay, fuck. It's you can't, true. It's so true. You the, can't please everybody. And like I told you, I don't listen to, to people on the internet. Did you see Whatever. the comment that I left? Uh, about uh, uh, me don't read good? <laughs> Is that what you said? You, you insult me and tell me I don't read good. So You said me don't read good or something. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Okay. So we're doing this on June 5th. Uh, this morning, John Moxley uh, had his first official non-WWE match. 
uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He took on Juice Robinson for the IWGP US title, and he was victorious uh, in his first non-WWE match. He, uh, he wore trunks. He didn't wear pants. They were like the kind of Goldberg style, you know? They weren't like Speedo style. They're kind of like the Goldberg style. Goldberg WWE style, yes. Goldberg WWE style, that's what I meant. Uh, he came out through the crowd, so I guess that's going to be part of a shtick, you know, outside WWE. Uh, and his finish was a movie called The Death Rider. It's basically a jumping double-arm DDT, so it's kind of like the Impaler, except it's double-arm. Yeah. And that, that was his finish. Uh, what momentum since leaving the company, Sean? What momentum this guy has? It's you know? amazing. Like, okay, so he had all those interviews last week. The talk is Jericho. He had the, the radio interview, and he had uh, the the Wade Keller interview, which honestly just kind of rehashed what he said on Talk is Jericho. And you know, my news team, we, we try to limit the amount of articles about one person to like maybe one, two a day. And I was like, I don't care. He's the hottest thing in wrestling right now capitalize on it do it let's rock with it and they did we've had two or three articles about him per day and today's match was such a condemnation of wwe and their process yes even to an extent nxt because juice robinson had an amazing match as well juice robinson a guy who couldn't even get on nxt tv Mm -hmm. against john moxley a guy who could get on WWE TV, sometimes a little bit too much of WWE TV. So it was completely opposite ends of the spectrum. One guy who had no creative behind him and couldn't get on the screen compared to a guy who was completely overexposed and had miserable creative. They came together, they met in the middle, and they made magic in the ring. It was an outstanding match, and John Moxley is the IWGP United States champion. 24 minutes. Has, did Dean Ambrose ever in his entire WWE career have a 24-minute match? Oh, yeah, for sure. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on television or live events? Uh, television, for I sure. Guess who? I'm sure one of his title matches. Really? Okay, because it, it seemed like a, a, an overly long John Moxley-Dean Ambrose match. Uh, I was going to bring up the Wade Keller interview. Uh, I wasn't going to retread anything because, like you said, it was kind of like the Jericho interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to bring up one note, though from the Wade Keller interview because John Moxley talked about WWE business. Yeah. Uh, he talked about uh, the house shows. He talked about, uh, you know, time off cycles uh, and he talked about payoffs. And I wanted to touch upon all this stuff because I think that this is going to become a bigger and bigger story as time goes on here in terms of business and payoffs. So I wanted yeah. to talk about it. So, so first and foremost, he talked about the house show business. He said it's outdated. Uh, because TV is where, is where their money is made. He said that the schedule might have been harder in the 70s and 80s, but the demands on the talent physically and athletically is harder now than it was then, which I, I agree for the most part of me. And obviously back in the 80s, you had your steamboats and your flares that did 60-minute matches. But when you think about 80s WWF, it was you know slow-plotting stuff for eight minutes. So I agree with them in that regard. Not a lot um, of bumping. Pardon me? Not a lot of bumping. Not a lot of bumping, no. Uh, he said that they need uh, to implement either an off-season or time-off cycles. There will never be an off-season in WWE because the never. television contracts won't, uh, won't allow. Time-off cycles, we've talked about on the show, they need to do it. Uh, I still think if they did, say, six to eight weeks twice a year, it would benefit everybody, everybody, including the company, because they'd come back hotter than before they left. So they need to do that. Now, well, let's talk about payoffs because he said that for him, he saw no difference in his payoffs 
before the network and after the network, but he acknowledged that he was only on a couple of live pay-per-views prior to the network launch, so he might not be the best gauge. In he terms was, he of was chaos. on a few more than a few. I think he maybe I don't know maybe his time was messed up a little bit, but he was there for over a year before that happened. Okay, and the now were a big part of that show. He said that he thinks that WWE will have to pay larger downsides uh, due to the big TV contracts. This is something I want to touch upon. I've got a couple of things I want to talk about when it comes to WWE business. And the first has to do with that. So we've heard stories about Ty Dillinger. They offered him like double his, his downside. Rhino, they offered him double his downside. The Revival, they offered him a big, uh, big new contract. My opinion, this is a slippery slope that WWE is going down. And in my opinion, it's a mistake. And they need to think of other ways to compensate guys aside from inflated downsides. Uh, the reason I say that is because if you look at WCW, now a lot of people will say, well, WCW was killed by the big contracts. That's not true. When business was good in WCW, when they had strong buy rates, when they were selling out shows and they are selling a lot of merch and tele- television ratings were good, nobody was bitching about the, telev- about the talent contracts. It wasn't until business took a turn and they were no longer selling out shows and they were no longer doing strong pay-per-view buy rates. That's when those contracts were an albatross around the neck of the, com- of the company and contributed to the company's demise. When you look at WWE right now, yeah, they're about to be more profitable than they've ever been, Sean, right, come October. But what's going to happen in 2024 if popularity keeps eroding the way that it's been, if ratings keep on dropping the way that they've been? There is zero chance that they're going to be able to re-up at these levels in 2024 off of these numbers. And so if they put themselves in a situation now where they're offering these inflated downsides to guys, it is going to bite them at the end of this contract in five years. I can't even pretend to know where the viewership's going to be or where technology's going to be in four or five years because there's, I mean, the WWE Network was just existing five years ago. So there's, there's so much of that I wouldn't have understood. I mean, the downsides have already increased. The Revival got offered 500 plus grand. Yeah, uh, they, they tried to double rhinos. I mean, there, there's money being thrown around all over the place. So they already have inflated the downsides. It's just a matter of I get it. To keep people around. I get it. But I think it's a mistake. Sure. Uh, and, I, and I think that they need to have something else. So I, I, I thought a little bit about this, you know, in terms of what would I do if I was in their position? Uh, and here's an idea that I had. So when you think about the territorial days, right, guys got paid a percentage of the house based on where you were on the card in the territorial days. You can't do that in this era because in this era, they'll put Brock Lesnar on first. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So you can't do it that way. Here's what I would do if it was me. The first thing that I would do is I would offer a signing bonus. That'd be the first thing because the signing bonus has to do with cash in the bank today. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about where's your cash going to be in five years. So number one, signing bonus. The second thing that I would do is I would come up with a bonus structure. And everybody's going to be like, well, how do you figure out a bonus structure? They're really big into their television metrics. What is it that Barrios always talks about? Time spent? Minutes watched. Minutes watched. So they could use that as a metric. They could look at, okay, these guys were in this quarter hour, and here is the the viewers that watch that quarter hour. Here are the demos for that quarter hour. They could come up with a system or come up with a metric based on on that. And then what I would do is I would have tiers in terms of company profit. Their numbers are public. So I would have tiers based on company profit on a quarterly basis. I would have a pool of money on each tier. And if you hit that tier, then that pool of money is divvied up to the talent. And you divvy it up to the talent based on hitting those certain metrics. 
my opinion is that if you do something like that, you are going to incent the guys to work harder. You're going to incent the guys to be as good as they can be. And so that's what I would do. I would offer them a signing bonus. I would put them on a bonus structure like that. Uh, if they do something like that, it's tied to profit. Mm-hmm. And then they don't have to worry as much about, okay, five years down the road, the new TV contract's half of what this one was. Yeah. Oh, shit, we're offering everybody millions of dollars on a downside, and now we're in trouble. So that's what I would do, man. It's, 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 it's not rocket science. And everybody would see an increase in their income and everybody would be incented to work hard. And that's what I would do. Yeah. The thing is it's, there's one guy who's for some reason, not incentivized to work hard. That's, that's the issue. And I know one guy that needs to Jimmy, you know what? I'm going to tell you a story, Sean. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I worked for this other company, right? And our receptionist uh, came from wealth, right? Mm-hmm. She came from money. And she was young and it was one of her first jobs. She wanted to get into another division of the company and they didn't want to move her. They wanted to keep her in reception, right? My boss at the time, his mentality was, I'm just going to keep throwing money at her. Whatever her base is, I'll increase it and I'll increase it and I'll increase it to keep her in reception. And I tried to explain to him, she comes from family money. She is not going to be incented just by continually throwing money at her like that. But that was his mentality. That's Vince McMahon's mentality. Vince McMahon's mentality is Ty Dillinger's not happy. Let's double his downside, right? With some guys, that might work, Sean. But in the long run, you're going to burn yourself because, yeah. again, you're going to have this massive expenditure, right? Tie their incentive into performance. That's what you do. You tie their incentive into performance. Uh, that way, you're only paying out if they hit that level. I, think it's, I, th- I just think it's better for everybody, and that's what I would do. Now, there's one other thing that I would do. If I was uh, Vince McMahon, and I would do this come the fall when those new contracts kick in, because right now, obviously, we know that popularity has eroded, ratings are down, their network partners cannot be happy. They can't, right? They're doing this wildcard bullshit, which is a terrible idea. It's a desperation band-aid. It's already fallen apart after a couple of weeks, and that's not going to work. And you've talked about this on other podcasts. They need to have separate brands, right? Yes, they need to have se- And they need to have separate rosters. They need the shows to be appointment viewing television, meaning I have to watch SmackDown to see this talent. I have to watch Raw to see this talent, right? So WWE's thinking, well, shit, we can't do that because we haven't made any new main event stars. Yeah. Right? So this is what I would do, in my opinion. Again, come October, they're going to have all this new money, Sean. They're going to have more cash on hand than they've ever had before. Oh, yeah. So what I, what I would do, my opinion, is I would look at guys from the past with name value. I would look at guys like Goldberg. I would even look maybe at a Batista. I would look at Shawn Michaels. You got Triple H there every week. I would look at guys like that, and I would reach out to those guys, and I would throw money at them and say, I want you to work television. I don't want you to work a full-time schedule. You don't have to do any live events. I want you to work programs on television with our established full-time roster guys. So I don't want Goldberg and Undertaker. I want Goldberg and Braun Strowman, right? I don't want Shawn Michaels and Triple H. I want Shawn Michaels and Seth Rollins. Problem might be getting some of those guys motivated to do that. Say that again? The problem might be getting some of those established part-time talent to actually do that. I think depending on who the talent is, the money will incent them. Uh, And I think Saudi Arabia has proven it, especially when you look at Shawn Michaels, who was adamant, I don't want to come back for WrestleMania. I don't want to do a a program with Daniel Bryan. I'm sorry, you're going to pay me how much to go to Saudi Arabia? Okay, fine, I'll come out of retirement. 
They're yeah. going to have so much money come the fall, so much money, more money than they really know what to do with. And if you can go to a Bill Goldberg and say, look, we want you to, to, to be a regular every week on SmackDown. We don't want you to wrestle every week because you want it to be a special attraction. But we want you to work a program with Braun Strowman, and it's going to culminate in a match. But we're not putting that match on the network. We're going to put that match on SmackDown because that's the big money maker now. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they have not had Brock wrestle on Raw or SmackDown. They, we could go into how they're just not they're they're not using the brain when it comes to business, right? Nothing but this is this special. is what I would do. I don't I don't remember the last time they built a match for like uh, in two weeks on Raw. It's right. going to be the Undertaker versus Steve Austin for the WWE Championship, which happened sometimes right. back then. Like build it for a specific person's hometown. Like, hey, they're running back to uh, say Seth Rollins is from Chicago, the Chicago area. Seth Rollins defending his championship in his hometown in Chicago on Raw. Is he from I, Iowa? I don't give a shit where he's from. I'm using it for the for the sake of the the point. That's uh, <laughs> that's just something they never do. They never they never build attractions on their their weekly television program. No, they don't. And and again, they need to understand where their where their bread is buttered, right? Yeah. And so I look at it, I, to me, it's a win-win for everyone if they were to do that. Because number one, the stars are happy because they're getting their big paydays and they only, have, they only have to work one day a week. So they're happy, right? The roster, the full-time roster is going to be happy because they're getting a rub off of these stars, right? Mm -hmm. You telling me that a win over Goldberg is not going to help Braun Strowman? You're damn big right time. it is, big time. right? So it's a win for them. It's a win for Fox and USA, because now they're going to have Goldberg or The Undertaker or Brock Lesnar or Shawn Michaels or Triple H, maybe Batista. Maybe they could even say to The Rock, The Rock doesn't need the money, but he loves the business. Maybe they say, hey, you want to work a program with Roman Reigns? WWE has coddled so many of the old Attitude Era part-time guys yeah. to the point to where you really only have, well, now one guy from the subsequent era. You have John Cena. Yes. Batista just retired. Yes. Who else? I'm trying to think. Like, rack my head. Randy rack. Orton. Randy to, Orton. To a bit of a lesser degree. And that's, I mean, he's he's nowhere near no. Austin Rock. He's not, he's not Shawn Michaels level. Either. No, he's not. They were able to drag Shawn Michaels out. They're able to drag Triple H out. Undertaker, yeah. Kane, Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar, you could say, of course, from, yeah. from that era. Uh, yeah. so, so there's him. But they've spent so much time coddling these Attitude Era guys at the expense of their modern-day stars. Yes. That, it, that it's alienated so many people. I agree, and they've done it by having them work each other. Yeah. And and without, that, without that's why... For younger talent. Yeah, and I, that's why I think, I think it would benefit everybody. Uh, I just think it would benefit everybody. I, I don't think there's one loser in that scenario paying these guys. Sure, maybe some of the roster guys are going to be pissed off saying, oh, sure, they're giving Goldberg a million bucks to, to come do this program. But you know what? He's going to come do this program, and he's going to put over Braun Strowman... Good for Braun Strowman, yeah. right? Good for the networks. It's good for really everybody. And so if they haven't already reached out to these guys and said, tell me your price. I want you to work a three-month program or a two-month program. It's Vincent Mann, so he's going to want to do a two-week program. Yeah. But, hey, I want you to work a two-month program. You're going to be on SmackDown every week, and you're going to wrestle this guy after six weeks. What's your price? There's not one guy whose price they couldn't meet except probably The Rock because The Rock doesn't need the money. But everybody else, I think, has a price, Sean. And, yeah. and I would be on that quick if I was them because they have so much pressure on them in October, given where the numbers are. They're lucky to stay at $2 million on Tuesdays. And mm -hmm. when they go to Friday, even though it's on Fox, good luck. Good luck. I have uh, not seen a 
WWE decision just shit on quite as much as the WWE wild card thing. And yes. there were some people optimistic at the beginning, and now those people are few and far between. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of turnover in WWE. One of those names is Dean Malenko, who I spoke to recently. Take a look. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful.com here with the Legend of the Ring and Where's new. Hey, Where's it? <laughs> new AEW employee. As we're filming this, it was announced this morning. What are your feelings on joining the ranks of AEW? I did. I mean, no, no, I, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Anything that could bring wrestling, you know, back a little bit, and you know, giving guys an opportunity to go out there and make a living and what, yeah. what we do, and uh, I think it's got a lot of energy. People are talking about it, and I want to be part of it. Yeah. So, uh, is there anybody on this roster that you look at and you're like, I see a little bit of Dean Malenko in them? Not Chris Jericho. Um, he's got four more holds than I do. I'm still mad about that. Um, not really. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I've been busy the last 18 years. So I am really an opportunity to see a lot of these young guys, but uh, I'm really looking forward to that for sure. So uh, how long ago did this deal come together? Was that something put together this week? I mean, obviously you were announced for StarCast several weeks ago, but is this something that you've been talking with them about since your, your exit? Not really. Not really. Just uh, just kind of weighing my options and see, see where I was going to land. And, uh, and I'd known Cody for several years and his family and just, uh, just thought that was the opportunity that I needed to go to. Yeah. You helped popularize the Texas Cloverleaf. One of my favorite personal submission holds. It, who, who do you see do it the best these days that you're like, maybe they give me a run for my money? Always duplicate it, never, never done the same, though. I've seen guys try to do it. Uh, just, you know, I, I, everything's been done before, before somebody else done it. My coach did it. I just took it, tweaked it, made it my own. Yeah. But uh, I don't particularly see anybody using it. Uh, this show, uh, Double or Nothing, features guys that were from your era. I mean, we've got Aja Kong, Chris Jericho, some some names that have been around for a while, Dustin Rhodes. Uh, when you look at that and you see the longevity of people that you were in the ring with, like Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho, what do you think that says about the evolution of wrestling, whether it be in the ring or science or anything like that? Well, I mean, I don't think there's no uh, secret recipe or secret on why some of these guys stay around. Guys are just, you know, they take care of themselves. They... Uh, a guy like Chris Jericho is a guy who reinvents himself all the time, so he's always keeping himself fresh and new and giving something different for the audience to grab a hold of. Yeah. I spoke about the Texas Cloverleaf. I vividly remember the first time I put it on somebody that had huge legs, and I was like, oh, what, what am I doing here? You ever get lo- get that locked on somebody, and you're like, oh, shit. How am I going to hold this up? Uh, a couple times from a balance standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, some there's a lot of big guys out there. It's a little, a little more difficult to to do those kind of submission holds on. But uh, that's, where you, that's where the 1,000 holds came in. Yeah. If I can't get him with the Cloverleaf, I'll get him with something else. Yeah. So uh, you're starting this job with AEW. How do you think, if at all, it will differ from the WWE role that you had? Well, it's, still, you know, it's pretty much work, work with talent, trying to get talent to be smart, uh, trying to get talent to work to the best they can, um, try to get guys over with, with, uh, with the audience out there. Dean, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Well, we're back. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk about AEW. Let's go from let's let's go from talking about w, this is a business heavy show this week. Let's go from talking about WWE business to AEW business. I want you to put your math cap on for this one, Sean. Yeah, because uh, I've, I've I've been doing a little bit of search on the interwebs. 
Have you? And yeah, and and I want to throw out some numbers. So uh, let's talk about AEW. So first and foremost, I guess before I go into some numbers, I've seen some online criticism uh, about good old Dave Meltzer. Uh, a lot of people are criticizing him for defending AEW a lot, putting over AEW a lot. I think that you know some of the criticisms are pretty silly. Uh, like one guy was crapping on the young bucks saying, oh, they look like they should be in concessions. It's a stupid and, thing I've ever and, heard. And it's funny because when you think about, like, I read, I read one criticism where somebody said, put them next to the Road Warriors and it's embarrassing. That's one yeah, thing that I read. Bill fucking Irwin and how do they look then? Well, what I was going to say is Ricky Morton. So Ricky Morton. So the Rock and Roll Express was one of the hottest acts of the 80s for any promotion. And Ricky Morton was like 5'7", 160 pounds. You know he I mean? wasn't 100 pounds. He was 220 pounds, but he was not in shape physically. There's like, no way he was legit 220. There's no, no way. way. No way, but that's what he was billed as. Okay, that's what he was billed at. But what I'm saying is yeah. he, he was such a hot act, not just as, as part of the tag team, but he got title shots at Ric Flair. Yeah, oh, do you know how many people just seem to look at the number on the scale and they're like, no, oh, I, I, my wrestling, her, her, her. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. that's one pre- yeah. that's mma has taught us nothing about what body composition and like how that changes andy uh, ruiz jr sean i was about to mention him yeah yeah i was about to mention him. although joshua you were an embarrassment you should be embarrassed you had no heart but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go on a tangent you had no heart you should be embarrassed you should go off on a tangent i would love that he was pathetic in that finish anyway uh now another criticism that's come out uh is when Meltzer defends AEW because people say, oh, good for you. You sold out 10,000 seats at MGM. You've only done two shows kind of thing. And they make like anybody can do it. The fact of the matter is, and I'm not here to, to you know, be biased towards AEW or against AEW. I'm just kind of calling it like I see it. They sold out Chicago in like, what, 30 minutes based on nothing but a YouTube series, Sean. Yeah. They sold out the MGM Grand. I think it was like four minutes or something. They sold out the MGM Grand based on nothing but like an internet show. You cannot tell me that that's not impressive, all right? WWE has worldwide television, and going into WrestleMania season, their hottest season, they hit some of the biggest markets on Monday Night for Raw, like Chicago and Boston, and they weren't selling them out, yeah. all right? And they sold out MGM in four minutes with just an internet show. That is impressive. Whether you hate AEW, love AEW. Whether you hate the Young Bucks, love the Young Bucks. You can't discredit them for that. Uh, now, Melter reported that uh, Double or Nothing did an estimated 98,000 buys worldwide. And again, I think that's pretty good, man. I think yeah. that's pretty good for a new entity that doesn't have television. I would like to know the pirated buys. Because yeah. I remember back in the day, House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer used to complain that uh, the pirated buys were like 90% of the paid buys from, yeah, what, uh, from what he gathered. I, I, from what I understood, they had a pretty good team on that, too. I mean, it got pirated a lot, obviously. It's just right. the nature of things. Okay. I, th- I do think it would be tough for them to sell that price at pay-per-view that often, but I guess we'll see. I mean, they're only good, I think they're only expected to do one a quarter to start, so I think they'll be okay. Uh, now let's talk about expectations for AEW on TNT because I've done some math, Keyshawn, and I think my opinion that the bar is pretty low, which is good for AEW. When it comes to TNT, the bar is pretty low right now. 
now, there has been speculation that even though uh, TNT has the NBA contract on Tuesday nights, that they're still considering Tuesday nights for the launch because they want to piggyback off SmackDown moving to Fridays. And there's speculation. My opinion is that they should do Wednesday because moving nights is never, it's never proven to be a benefit for anybody. So if, yeah. you think, if you think I'll start on Tuesday and then when the NBA comes back, I'll move to Wednesday, you're going to lose some of your, of your audience. So I think that you should just pick a night, establish that night, and that's your night. Yeah. Um, now, I was looking at some TNT numbers, Sean, and outside of basketball, so they have the NBA contract, they also have the NCAA contract, right? Outside of basketball, TNT doesn't do shit, Sean. Like, it really doesn't. In terms of original programming, uh, their biggest show, and I'm sure that you were a fan every week, their biggest show was called Rizzoli and Isles. It was a, <laughs> it was a police drama. It did $4 million some sort of dating show like uh the 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 gimmick that was on after raw for a while i y'all probably didn't get it up there the temptation island that's what i thought it would be well rizzoli and owls was like a police drama uh and it did uh over four million viewers a week but it wrapped a couple of seasons ago like it's not even on the air anymore they had a few other shows that averaged over two million viewers a week but all of them have ended or been canceled and so right now on TNT, their biggest original show in terms of viewers is called Animal Kingdom. Uh, and yeah. it's not what you think it is. It's, it's some kind of a drama. It's not like some kind of a zoo show or anything. It's some kind of a drama. It airs on Tuesday nights. Last week, that show did 1.35 million viewers, and it did a .41 rating in the 18 to 49 demo, which is the demo that advertisers care about, right? Uh, that show was good for fifth for the night on cable. So on Tuesday yeah. night, Animal Kingdom was fifth for the night on cable. SmackDown was number one, and it really wasn't close when you look at the viewers and the, and the demo between SmackDown and Animal Kingdom. Outside of that show on Tuesday night, Sean, there is nothing in prime time on TNT that... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ranks in the top 100 on cable any night of the week. Think about yeah. that. Outside of Animal Kingdom on Tuesday night, nothing on TNT, prime time, ranks in the top 100. That means that the doors are wide open for, uh, for AEW to come in and, and make some noise. Yeah, big time. Uh, now, when you do a comparison, so last week Raw did 2.19 million viewers and a 0.72 rating in that demo, right? Yeah. SmackDown last week did 2.072 million viewers and a 0.69 rating. Do I think AEW is going to average 2 million viewers a week when they launch? No. No. I don't think that's going to happen. But do I think that they can average a million a week? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. Um, And uh, uh, what was I going to say? Will they do a better rating than what TNT is averaging in that 18 to 49 demo? Yes, they will. If Animal Kingdom is getting a, what, 0.41 rating in that demo, in the, yeah. in the coveted demo, and if Raw is getting a 0.7-ish, they're going to get there. Like, it's going to happen. And so uh, I think that in the short term, things are going are to work out. I think TNT is going to be happy with the numbers. I think AEW is going to be happy with the numbers. Is it going to translate to a rights fee deal for $200 million a year? No. If, if, unless the numbers are catastrophic, I can't yeah. imagine how they would be disappointed with the numbers uh 
if they do even decent, I mean, Impact was rocking like what three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand when they left like what Destination America or something. Yeah, and I think they hit like a million plus on Spike, didn't they? Yeah, they hit a million plus on Spike. But I mean, to be fair, Impact was a pretty hot brand at one point and had some. It did have some marquee names on the show, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to see how that translates because. Let's be honest, Chris Jericho ain't Sting or Hulk Hogan in that regard. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out, but I, I, I'm optimistic until proven otherwise. But it's it's hard for me to say, what are these numbers going to be until the show actually airs, until we actually see that first number? Yep, I agree. And for me, I think the trick with AEW will be to present a product that's tailored to all viewers not just the hardcore audience. And I heard some of Jim Cornette's, you know, review of Double or Nothing, and he's a pretty negative guy anyway because that's kind of a shtick. But I did agree with him in that respect. He was saying, okay, you, this show, Double or Nothing, was for the hardcore fan. You could have SCU go out there and do their catchphrase, and the live audience is going to be able to recite it, and that's fine and good. You can have Orge Cassidy do a stupid bullshit in the Battle Royal, and the crowd's going to cheer because they, they get it. When you're on TNT and you are tapping into an audience that's never seen, seen your show before, you have to introduce these guys. You can't assume that your whole audience is going to know the Young Bucks and they're going to know Kenny Omega and they're going to remember Cody Rhodes and, and SEU and all these guys. Uh, and so for me, that's going to be one of the tricks is that they're going to have to introduce these guys. You're not going to get to 2 million viewers a week strictly based on the hardcore audience. And so that's something that they're going to have to figure out. Um, yeah. I... I, I... That it's such an unknown entity. There's so many question marks surrounding it, and I, that's the thing. I just I just have to see how many people will tune in. Did did I think that they would sell thirteen thousand tickets and then ten thousand tickets, especially a year and a half ago? Would you have said if somebody would have said that to me? No, I didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how the hell Fighter Fest tickets are going right now. I guess we're gonna see at the end of the month. But it's just mm-hmm. wild. We're at a point to where there's a show every month now. They yep. got Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen, and they're building those. And you got like John Moxley on that show. Like this is looks like it's going to be an interesting show. Don't know how it's going to be distributed yet, though. Um, very interested in in that as well. Yeah, and obviously once they're weekly, you're not going to have the traveling fan anymore because both of the first two shows, you had the traveling fan. That's not going to happen. So they're going to have to find a way to get five to ten thousand people, whatever it is, you know, in whatever buildings they're targeting. Going to have to find a way to fill those buildings with local fans. Yeah. But uh, I, I think they got a good shot. I think that if a million is a, is, a, is a low benchmark, and again, when you look at TNT's other original shows, I think they'd be happy with that on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whatever they're going for. I think that's very doable. I think it's very doable. And so uh, we'll see what happens, man. You know? Yeah. All right, let's go to Stupid People. Stupid People is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. Okay, oh, this first one's great, Sean. This first one's good. Reported by KHOU11 out of Houston, Texas on May 31. So there's a woman out of Houston. Her name is Linda Sue Godajohn. All right? She is accused of driving while intoxicated. Yeah. Now, in her case, she was driving a school bus. Oh, Full no. of kids. 
She was driving erratically. She was pulled over by police. She failed a field sobriety test. And so she was charged while, with uh, driving while intoxicated. Um, she claims that she wasn't drinking, and she claims that her driving was caused by something else. What do you think that was, Sean? Medicine, cough medicine. A bad donut. She claims that a bad donut upset, upset her stomach and, you know, made her drive erratically. But it gets better, though. How many times have we seen people, Sean, they get arrested, and then when they bond out, they run into the media outside jail, and because they're idiots, they talk to them? You know what I mean? How many times have we seen that? So uh, Miss Linda Sue over here, she bonded out, and as she's leaving the jail, she was approached by KHOU-TV, and of course she had to talk to them. We have a clip of her uh, lovely little interview. Go ahead and put up that clip, Nigel. The charges are pretty serious, though. Surely you wouldn't hear it. Yeah. What charges? She says uh, she wouldn't be able to fail that sobriety test. He's saying that right there, I have been drinking. I don't drink. I have not drank in years. So how do you so feel like failing the field sobriety test? Because it's hard. I did mean, you, I couldn't even do it right now. Did you take medication? Were you on anything? No. 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 Did you ever do You know, a lot of angry parents. Pants, lady. Yep, she said she'd fail the sobriety test even right there in that moment because it's hard, Sean. It's hard. You can't walk in a straight line. Four points for just putting your name on it. There you go. All right, this next one. This was reported by the Wisconsin State Journal. These might be relatives of Sean Ross Sapp, these guys. Reported by the Wisconsin State Journal on June 1st. So there's a pair of presumably very relaxed guys. Uh, One of them, his name is Dylan Banger, and the other one is Jesse Schwark. And they founded a Rastafarian church in Ooh. Dane County, Wisconsin. Why, Sean, did they found a Rastafarian church? Tax purposes. You're close. <laughs> You're close, sort of. It was government-related. They did it because they wanted to openly and publicly smoke marijuana with their congregation. And unfortunately, Wisconsin is not yet a legal state, so they got arrested for possession then they bonded out. Then the next day, they got arrested again. All right? Because they got arrested again for possession and because they got arrested for bail jumping. Bail jumping is a felony, Sean. Yeah. Okay? Uh, we got a picture of a mugshot of these two fellows. Put up that mugshot of these two guys, Nigel. Look at these guys, Sean. Look at those guys. Now, God. here's where the government thing comes in. So they claim that they should receive a religious exemption because they're church leaders. Yeah. Okay? And back in, back in April, they sued the city of Dane County in U.S. District Court, alleging that their rights were violated uh, and their rights being the freedom to practice religion because they have a Rastafarian church. As you can imagine, things aren't working out. They're in jail as we speak. What? But they gave it a shot. They gave Prejudice. it a shot. Prejudice. Prejudice how? How? For being idiots. Religious, Jimmy. All Respected right. beliefs. Like Scientology, because they also did it, so they don't have to pay tax, you know what I'm saying? Okay, this last one, this is for the SRS file. Uh, this one is kind of a sad one, Sean, but I got to bring it to light yeah, to just show... Who died? Uh, well, you're going to see, you're going to see. So it was reported by National Geographic on May 31. So you've heard these stories about stupid morons in certain areas. Usually they're in Asia, maybe they're in South America. And they believe that strange things have medicinal powers, you know? Like, for example, shark fin. What's that? A little specific, Jimmy. 
No, I'm being honest. Like oh, shark man. fin, right? Shark fin is an example where in Asia they think that shark fin's got medicinal powers. And so what's happening is there's illegal hunting going on. And Steve Crowder now, no big deal. <laughs> I didn't hear what he said because the thing keeps going out. What do you say? He said he's doing a podcast with Steven Crowder right now, apparently. Anyway, anyway, there is a species of bear native South America called the spectacled bear. Uh, we have a picture of one. Put up the picture of this this fuzzy, furry little, lovely creature, Nigel. Yeah, Look at that, Sean. Look at the spectacled bear. Now, this bear was actually the inspiration for Paddington bear. Okay, these these bears are at risk of extinction now. And why are these bears at risk of extinction? Of uh, extinction, Sean? Uh, because their live streams wouldn't work, and they couldn't catch salmon in those live streams. The cute couldn't catch salmon in South America. Okay. Uh, because they're being hunted for their penis. In Peru, there is a I supposed... Can relate. Can relate. You're being hunted for your penis too? Yeah. Definitely, Jimmy. So in Peru, there is a supposed magic potion drink that's being sold called Seven Roots. All right. <laughs> It contains things like white rum and tree bark and honey and pollen, even a snake's head. It also includes parts of the penis bone from that bear. And people in Peru think that this drink cures sexual impotence, which of course it doesn't. And one market stall vendor was actually asked by National Geographic, how do you feel about the fact that these bears are being hunted to extinction? And you know what she said? What? She said, she said quote, it's money, we win. Oh, God. Yeah. That's what she said. I think they need to come up with a new magic potion that features the genitalia of market stall vendors that sell seven roots. Yeah. Uh, That's what they should do. Apparently we're live again, by the way. I Really? I, I don't. started another test stream. I didn't want to say anything just in case it didn't work. Why would you start a test stream in the middle of the show? I, to, to confuse no, no, Jimmy as much as possible. It streamed right back to the exact same event. So everybody who was there can now see us. But nobody be left. We've been on the air for 40 minutes. 100 people right now. <laughs> I apologize. I thought like I was told on. everything was fixed. I was told everything was fixed. I was assured. I got a brand new computer with like souped up gear in it. And I was assured it was fixed. And then two minutes on, we got kicked off again. So I don't is know this, what the hell is going on. Of like making Melissa a baby face. Like... Is how we're doing? It's the only way she can be relatable or likable. She goes or out likable. That's much. Really? So um, this was a bad week for WWE television, wouldn't you say, in terms of uh, creative? Yeah, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. Um, Brock Lesnar. So let me see if I can get this straight, Sean. Okay? Let me see if I'm misunderstanding. So the money in the bank contract, the point of that is that you have a year to cash it in whenever you want, right? Correct. Um, WWE spends three weeks advertising, and Sean just went off my screen. Okay. Nigel, stop fucking around. Leave him on my screen. So WWE spends three weeks advertising that Brock Lesnar is going to cash in. And what happens, Sean? By week two, ratings are going down because people don't like the bait and switch, right? WWE then has Stephanie do this video Clearly a knee-jerk reaction, blaming Brock Lesnar, scolding Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar, you can't do this. When that's the whole point of Money in yeah. the Bank. And we have seen teases hundreds of times, Sean, over the years. 
Yeah. What do you what do you have to make of all this whole thing where you know suddenly you're not allowed to uh, do what you're supposed to be able to do? And I had a person whose whose opinion I respect say, "Oh well, the the McMahons don't like to be jerked around and all that stuff." And I'm like, "All right, based on what? They keep people on their show that jerk them around all the time within storyline. Yes. If anything, the consistency is that they have a, a remarkable family fetish for such a thing." Like they 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 love it. They they it's what they they like on their program is somebody doing that to them, and that's the point of the whole thing. It's existed for like fifteen years. Yeah, and they've always done it. Now the only difference really is that usually the cash and teases are impromptu, and in this case they've advertised it, you know, to get people to tune into their show, and then they pull a bait and switch. And what do you do? You piss people off. You can do it the first week, but then they did it a second week. Then they had the gall to do it a third week. And you can't do that, but it's so silly to then try to flip it like, oh, shame on you, Brock Lesnar, when you're the ones that advertise it to begin with. But, uh, but that was that. We already talked about the wildcard rule. You know, Alexa Bliss, the Raw talent, is going to get the SmackDown title shot. Whatever, the wildcard rule, wild rule is dead. How many uh, Raw guys were on SmackDown this week, Sean? A ton, and I'm told that that was partially because they were – I mean, the thing is, you didn't have to put them on TV, but I'm told that, that was for the charter flight out of – San Antonio last night that or early this morning that they wanted to get everybody together for that and that's probably why they brought Kobe Kingston back as well but but like you said you don't have to put them on TV right by the way Alexa Bliss is on that flight as is Natalia yeah I was going to talk about that in a second uh, we'll go into that in a second there's there's one other thing I want to talk about that kind of frustrated me as a fan this week and that was the 24/7 story okay so on Smackdown you got our truth backstage he's on the phone with Shane McMahon Okay, they have never once explained the incentive why somebody would want to be the 24-7 champion. They've never explained it. They've never said there's a financial incentive or anything like that. So you got our truth on the phone with Shane. Our truth tells Shane this title is ruining my life. Those are her words. This title sentence to explain why he should have it. Right. All he said is this title's ruining my life. But then what happens? So the title's ruining your life. But as soon as Shane says, well, your opponent's in the ring, so, uh, oh, shit. He doesn't hesitate to run out there and have the match. Then when he loses the title to Elias, the guy where the title is ruining his life, then follows Elias under the ring and wins it back? Yeah, it takes one sentence for them to say, well, why, why do you have it? And he goes, money. That's it. Right. One word. And then the next time he runs by Baron Corbin, and Baron Corbin doesn't go after him, Charlie Caruso shoves a mic in Baron Corbin's face and says, "says Why, why don't you want that title?" Right. And Baron says, "Have you seen what it's done to him? I, it's not worth it to me." Right. That's it's not worth the financial incentive for him. Maybe yeah. it is somebody else. Right. Right. As we've seen in wrestling, money isn't everything, but to some people, some people it is. Sure, of course. Different, different motivations. I don't want to see a wrestling show where everybody's motivated by the same thing at all right. times. Yeah, now speaking of, uh, you know, zero cents, so somebody on Twitter posted the qualifications for a WWE writing job because they have a live posting right now. Uh, I grabbed those qualifications, Nigel, put those up for a second. Uh, Now, this kind of is indicative of kind of the problem, you know, one of the problems anyway. So if you look under the qualifications, they want you to have a minimum five years of professional writing experience. But if you go down a few there, one of them near the bottom, it's uh, five from the bottom. Strong understanding of WWE's audience is a plus. 
So what they're so what they're saying saying is it's not mandatory to know what the fuck you're doing and, and who you're writing for. It's not a requirement. It's a nice to have. So long as you've written for Young and the Restless, you're okay. That's good. If you don't know the audience, that's all right. You'll figure it out. That's what they put on their own job listing, Sean. I wonder how much writing experience Pat Patterson had before. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. I mean, you could, I don't know what all he did in Houston, but I mean, he probably did write a lot of the shows or book a lot of the shows. But Maybe, but not the way they did it in WWE, even back then. Uh, you know? Man, it's frustrating. I Vince Russo to- wrote for a magazine, Sean. So many brilliant people who have been a part of that writing team. Yeah. And they pitched, and I'm like, ah, oh, damn, man. It's unbelievable. So, uh, okay, Super Showdown. So it's this Friday, 2 o'clock Eastern time on the network. You broke some news today, June 5. You kind of already... Uh, huh? Stands of time. Shop.fightful.com. Get the shirt. There you go. So what's the news you broke today? You already kind of addressed it. Alexa Bliss thing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that the news... I didn't realize that Natalia had already posted all over her Instagram story that she and Renee were on the flight. But uh, Alexa Bliss is also on the flight. I had revealed back in March that there was an internal pitch within WWE to get women on this show. As dumb as WWE can be, they're not always dumb. And they realize that every time they go to Saudi Arabia, they're going to get shit on, and they Mm -hmm. should. But um, if they can spin it and say, we made history, we're promoting change, we're doing this, we're doing that, that's what they're going to do. And... Mm -hmm. That is what they're doing. Uh, we do have a live post show this weekend, guys. Uh, that's going to go uh, – the, the proceeds of that, Super Chats, and uh, our monetization is going to go to Sammy for Syria and the Equality Federation. So uh, feel free to leave a nice thumbs up on there without feeling too guilty. Now, I'm not going to go over the whole card because you already did that on on your other shows. Uh, there's just a few things I want to talk about. So first and foremost, I think Brock's going to cash in on Kofi Kingston. I do too. Uh, but I will say this. So one of the many things that frustrated me about Raw this week, and we already talked about Brock a little bit, he had Seth Rollins beat. He was beat. And he wouldn't cover him. He wouldn't cash in and cover him. And no explanation was given. Um, if he cashes in on Kofi Kingston, I still want an explanation. Why did you decide to cash in on that title instead of that title? Now, if he cashes in on Seth Rollins on Friday... I can't wait to hear the explanation for that one, Sean. Yeah, it won't make any sense. Won't, won't make, make any it. sense, no. But if he cashes in on Kofi when he had Seth beat, I'm going to want to know, is the WWE title more lucrative than the Universal title? Like, they have to have some kind of an explanation. I really like the fact that on Raw, Corey Graves made a point of saying that Lacey uh, got more of the winner's money than Charlotte did, uh, or would have, I guess, depending on the outcome of the match. Like, he made a point of talking about that. When Brock wouldn't cash in, I was waiting for Graves to say, come on, the champion makes so much more money. Yeah. Uh, but nothing was said about it. So, see, I think he's going to cash in on Kofi. I know that you've talked about uh, they'll have a rematch at SummerSlam. That makes a lot of sense to me. Again, guys, it's not. I saw some people saying that I was reporting that was going to happen. Right. No, what, if I were a creative mind in WWE trying to get through to Vince McMahon, I would say, hey, Kofi Kingston's the hottest talent on the roster right now, uh, on the male side of things. Right. And if you take the title off of him, you can build a lot of sympathy there. There's going to be a lot of upset people. And then if he won it back at SummerSlam, boy, you you, you want to talk about milking the Kofi Kingston cow? There you go, man. 
Yeah, like, and if you if you remember when Brock did the remember when Brock did that show in Japan uh, for the network, his opponent was Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch that match, Kofi was great in there with Brock. Like he was he was a good guy to be tossed around and get that babyface sympathy. And so they can, uh, it, they can r- remind us and play off of it again, right? And they should. Yeah, they should. So I like that. Uh, I have to admit, even though we're twenty years too late, I really like the Taker Goldberg stuff on SmackDown. Yep. Uh, I, and I know you talked about this on the post show. It should be your three or four minute match tops, yeah. but, uh, but I still liked it. I liked the, the face off. So that's kind of cool. How are they going to do a 50 man battle Royal? How are they going to do that? <sighs> You're going to have everybody in there like sardines in a, in a can. How are you going to do a 50 man battle five, Royal? Five live roster then. <laughs> oh, Maybe man. because when I they know. have, t- when they have 20 men in there, it's pretty tight. Yeah. You know what I mean? 50 <laughs> men in a battle row. What are they going to do? That's, I guess we're going to find out. I guess we're going to find out. Yep. And Maybe uh, they see no battle royal and send them out five at a time. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and one other note I wanted to make, Triple H and Randy Orton, they should both be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed <laughs> by that piece of shit promo that they cut on Raw on Monday. You should be embarrassed. You guys are veterans, and you went out there making fun of the whole fucking thing. That was embarrassing, Sean. Maybe you don't agree with me. It was embarrassing, especially Hunter, who's going to be the heir apparent. Vince McMahon would have never done that shit. You know what I mean? have. What's that? What wouldn't Vince McMahon have done? Hunter basically went out there and made the whole thing a sideshow. He went out there and basically said, ah, you know, we're supposed to come out here and... Do rag with What's the that? ECW. Vince McMahon used to come out in a do rag with the ECW title. He did that shit all the time. He was okay. he made everything. Well, he was playing a pompous character. But did Vince ever go out there and basically make fun of something and say, "Okay, we're supposed to be out here right now. We're supposed to talk shit to build a match." But you and I have done that, so let's just kind of smile and snicker, and we're really well, buddies in real life, and. That was embarrassing, man. That was embarrassing. And let me tell you something. If somebody else on the roster had to cut a promo like that, as soon as he got to the back, Hunter would have shit on him. I guarantee you. Hunter would have shit on him. But because Hunter did it, because Hunter did it, it's okay. Randy Orton can stand in the ring snickering and smiling and winking. And what a load of horse shit that promo was, Sean. I'm not taking this match seriously anyway. It's, I it's know, a- I know. But it, that was embarrassing for both of those guys. That was shit. There was attraction on... WrestleMania equivalent show. Let me make right. sure my fans are in the shot there. I know. Uh, yeah. I, it didn't bother me that much because it's such a throwaway anyway. They've spent a couple video packages on it. So. It's true. And that was their only in-ring thing. Like at That's all. Part, part of why I'm okay with the the, Les, or the Goldberg Undertaker stuff is because it hasn't wasted really any of my time. Right. So, one week. I mean, there, there was less than 30 minutes of wrestling on Raw this week. In three hours, Sean. Three hours, and I think maybe less than 20 on SmackDown. Yeah. You remember back in the day, Vince Russo used to say, maybe it was even Vince, man, I think it was Vince Russo. He used to say, oh, my goal one day is not even have a ring. Did you ever hear that? (laughs) No. They're getting close. Yeah. They're getting close. Uh, A few more things on my list this week. Uh, Have you heard anything about this Bully Ray Ring of Honor incident? Is that all bullshit? Sounds like it, right? I mean... Either way, I'm like, uh, this it sounds is the like the fan is calling bullshit. It's, it's just playing the victim. I, it seems like they're both kind of ridiculous. This is the same guy who cut the Heat Wave 99 pro, or Heat Wave promo. Like he's, 
he's supposed to tell, like he's told fans literally that their girlfriends are going to get fucked by his tag team partner, Jimmy. And he's upset because a fan said something to a heel on a show. Now, maybe it was something really bad. And if so, then kick the fan out if it was that bad. Apparently it was, you know, sexually explicit. Sure. Uh, and and sure. I guess I guess there was... going to get fucked by his tag team partner. Well, I know, I know. But there, there were apparently some other fans when the guy got pulled to the back. There were other fans that were cheering because the guy was being distracting and he was oh, being obnoxious. Yeah, and they could have kicked him out. The only thing I will say is because uh, the guy was you know, shit-talking everybody on social media. He was saying the Velvet Sky treated him bad. Bully Ray treated him bad. Uh, Velvet Sky, I, I had a chance to meet her in Vegas. The Velvet Sky was a sweetheart to me. Mm-hmm. She was. She was cool to me. So I don't know if that means anything about uh, about how she was there, but I don't know. Yeah, I it's, don't know her personally. I don't know Bully personally. Bully's been pleasant. Yeah. I've dealt with him on like media calls and stuff. Don't know the fan, right. but th- to me, I, I don't know that there's much of a situation that can garner those reactions from that guy who has said that kind of stuff, and then you send him back out there. Yeah, that is a little strange. That that's, is a little strange. Cute to me. It doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, I've seen lots of fans that say ignorant, dumb shit to me in our chat. And then they go to you and they try to play the victim. We had somebody yeah. do that last week. That just happened. Yeah, it's true. It just happened. So, I mean. I told Sean I, that's your second strike. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Here, here's me going and whiffing at number three. Let me know how it works out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. It, it does happen. So, I do understand that, that bully, that, that could have happened to bully. Okay, a couple more things. So uh, somebody on Twitter at JSBrown303 pointed out to me that Sasha Banks has removed any mention of WWE from her Instagram, and she's using her real name. Uh, is this posturing from what you've heard? Her uh, Twitter handle is still Sasha Banks WWE. Her Twitter display name is still Sasha Banks with all that stuff. So I, Instagram, I, think- I mean, Instagram is still a WWE handle but she's throwing up all her like real life stuff and no mention of wwe aside from the handle i think it's just people reading too much into Posturing. it yeah. okay uh no shinsuke nakamura on wwe television in six weeks sean yeah but i did talk to leoto machida about him yeah wow, a lot of people don't realize he lived with uh leoto machida and daniel bryan like in 2003 and i seem to remember daniel bryan saying that Machida and Nakamura spoke just enough English to not like each other. And his book. <laughs> yeah, and I talked to him about that, and Machida kind of downplayed it. We have an article coming out soon, but, I mean, hey, good for Nakamura. Maybe he's getting some time off. I don't know what's going on specifically. Uh, but I miss him, Sean. He's one of my favorites on that brand. Yeah, you know? and a little bit of breaking news on the UFC side of things. It doesn't look like Henry Cejudo is doing his workout ahead of – UFC 238, this is important because a writer uh, just posted a thing saying, hearing info from a source that says he was in the UFC workout room last night and Cejudo may have been injured. Uh-oh. Source said it was a loud scream like he tore something, followed by a pause and another loud yell, hoping to verify here shortly, and then he isn't working out at open workouts. Here's the oh. thing. UFC has four top-flight Bantamweights on that show. Right. So there will be a Bantamweight title fight on Saturday. That is a loaded card. I'm assuming that Henry Cejudo probably screamed because he watched him telling some of his own jokes. Have you heard how terrible his jokes are? No, I, I remember mean, he tried to hook up with Nikki Bella or something, and I don't know. Guys cringe. Cringe. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, one more thing on my... 
I was going to say one more thing on my list this week. Joey Ryan, uh, he says he's going to stay independent, Sean. What'd I say? So he's, so here's what I, I'm trying to comprehend. So he's on being the elite. Yeah. Right? So it's Flip Gordon sometimes. Shouldn't AEW now kind of own that footage? They've got these guys under full-time contract now. Well, I mean, they do own the footage. AEW owns the footage. BTE? I mean, the content creators, like the Bucks own them. Whoever, whatever, I believe. Now this is, again, don't quote me. I believe it's whatever channel is specific that they're on, which their content's all over the place. AEW, yeah. Nightmare Family, BTE. I believe they own it respectively. But yeah, if I were if I were AEW, I'd be like, hey, let's put that content up. But you know, Tony Khan, he's he seems specific about the sports influence stuff. Maybe he doesn't want to intermingle it, but to me, I'd be it's moving all- that. I'd be moving those to the AEW YouTube channel like that. Yeah. I wouldn't even think twice about it. That's the first thing I'd be doing. So yeah. So, I mean, I will say this about Joey Ryan. I mean, and we've talked about this. So many guys are being, are being scooped up by promotions full-time. There's opportunities for guys on the independents. You know what I mean? And he's been one of the top draws on the independent circuit, one of the top book guys. Right. I fully expect him to remain one of those, especially with the, the pool getting more shallow. And I say good for him because that is a hustle. That is hard. You know what I mean? That is hard. I mean, for anybody that doesn't understand the independence, you basically get your flight booked for you. If you're lucky, you get a deposit. Otherwise, you're showing up kind of doing this, hoping the promoter's on the up and up, but he's going to give you your payoff. You know what I mean? That is yeah. a hustle. And, and good for him that he's made a full-time go of that. So best of luck to him, man. That's all I got for you. Sure. Guys, join us. Sands of Time, Friday, UFC. Saturday, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcasts, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling.